Welcome to the Ruchi Strengthcast. Dan and Paul are the owners of one of the largest powerlifting gyms in the world, Ruchi's Gym, and are experienced powerlifting coaches. Join them as they discuss and debate all things powerlifting and strength training with some fun stuff thrown in. For more information, visit ruchisgym.com. Good morning, everyone. It's just Dan here today. That's me, obviously. <clears throat> Unfortunately, Paul is feeling a little bit under the weather, so he isn't going to be with me on today's podcast. But hi to everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning in. It's great to get a few episodes out and continue what we started with the podcast a couple of years ago. Obviously, we've had a crazy couple of years, but now we're trying to get things back on track and deliver some great content for you guys. So today's podcast is basically a listener Q&A where we've taken some questions off Instagram um, and I'm going to do... I'm going to answer them to the best of my ability. I don't know if I'll get through them all because there's quite a few here, but I've sort of hand-selected some that I feel are fun, a little bit different, and also provide some good information to you guys. Now, we plan on doing a Q&A like this maybe once every sort of 8 to 12 weeks um, because it's sort of a great way that we can get questions from you guys and then answer them and it sort of gets you guys involved as well. So, without further ado, the first question on my list is, how much longer until the Ruchi Strength gear is available? Great question. In the short, I guess I'm going to say it won't be, and there are really good reasons why. As some of you know, a couple of years ago, actually this was in 2020 when COVID hit, Paul and I spent some time doing something we've wanted to do for a long time, and that was to develop our own Australian-made powerlifting gear. So obviously, you know, most of the powerlifting gear you find these days is made overseas, China, etc., because obviously cost of production means that you can sell a product for a reasonable price and have a fantastic margin. We kind of wanted to go the other way where we sacrificed some margin but we supported Australian made all right so and that to us was really important especially at the time with COVID going on um, and it was a great time to kind of support Australian made manufacturers and come up with a product that was 100% made here in Australia so the three products we initially had available or were designing were our wrist wraps knee wraps um, and just some simple um, straps, all right? So the actual material for the wrist wraps and the knee wraps took a little bit of time to work out because the people we found, or the people we used to help us didn't have a clue what they were. So we had to go in and show them and Paul showed them how we use them as a knee wrap and to wrap me up and to give them an idea of what the hell we were trying to make. And so once they sort of understood that, then we had the process of going through what the material, um, you know, how we wanted the material to be constructed in terms of, you know, um, stiffness and 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 um, uh, intention and, and that type of thing. So we kind of gave them a few different products and, and, and kind of gave them an idea of what we were after. And that worked out really well. And 
they kind of nailed it straight away. The first sample they gave us was fantastic. We we're really happy with it. We got samples made um, in a color that kind of blended in with some other knee wraps. So we had a few people in our gym using them and we got some one fantastic results and also some fantastic feedback. So once we were happy with the actual material, we then ordered the first run of the material that would be printed in the colors that we were going to be using for Ruchi Strength. So to cut a, a long story short, basically what happened is we ordered 1.5 kilometers of material. That's a hell of a lot of material. Um, and then once it sort of landed here in Perth, we had a manufacturer here in Perth who was going to be doing all the seamstressing, I guess, the sewing and putting it all together and packaging it up. Um, what happened was once the material landed in Perth, the manufacturer over East actually printed it in the wrong colors. It was incorrect. So we were stuck with 1.5 kilometers of material we couldn't use. It wasn't our fault. We did proof, proof and um, sign off on the design. So there was a little bit of a dispute between the person in WA who was helping us and then the manufacturer of the material over East. Um, that sort of took some time and which sort of killed the process a little bit. And in the end, Paul and I decided after about a year of, I guess, messing around, that we were going to basically pull the pin on this, at least for the time being. So that's kind of been put on the back burner, even though we were actually making really good progress. It was just dealing with some basically incompetent people here in Australia. I know that sounds weird, but at the end of the day, that's really what happened. So we're actually in the process of getting a full refund on all of our material. Um, so yeah, to answer that question, um, unfortunately, uh, we won't be releasing any rookie strength gear in the short term, but that's not to say that we won't pick it up at a later date. Right now, Paul and I are really focused on the gym, um, providing a fantastic experience for everyone and trying to support the sport of powerlifting. So that's kind of where our focus is at the moment. Hope that answers the question. Second question is, how do you feel national competitions will be affected with COVID and restrictions, etc.? A good question. Obviously, I'm not really in a position to, I guess, really say much because we're really at the mercy of the government and what they put in place in terms of restrictions. Right now in WA, obviously, we have a mandate on gyms where if you choose not to show your proof of vaccination, you can't go to a gym. How does that affect nationals? Well, it doesn't, it doesn't because powerlifting is deemed a community sport so you can actually have community sport run and not require proof of vaccination but at the moment in wa with level two restrictions you can't have spectators obviously at the moment in wa we are going through a bit of a covid spike so obviously what is happening today in wa is not going to be what's happening in september so we're hoping by september um, with gpc nationals here uh, we hope a lot of the restrictions and mandates are gone and that will pretty much clear the path for having a fantastic nationals here in September without any bullshit, basically. So I guess how do I feel national competitions will be affected? I'm hoping they're not going to be, but obviously I'm talking about our own nationals here, GPC nationals in September. There are some other nationals um, in June, July in other states. I'm not sure what the restrictions are in other states, but I'm pretty sure that they've eased a lot of those restrictions up now. I guess the only thing that might affect, um, and this, I guess from the competition standpoint, is a lot of lifters are not lifting at the moment due to restrictions. So it might uh, it might take a little bit of bite out of the actual um, 
depth of the competition, but looking at the current GPC qualifying list, it looks quite healthy with plenty of competitions to go. So um, hopefully that answers that question. Next one, in your experience, is it possible to add size to calves or is it just genetics and does it affect squat, bench, deadlift? Look, it's a good question. Um, and coming from a powerlifting perspective, as most of you know, most powerlifters or people in strength training particularly in the sport of powerlifting when you're focused on those three lifts, don't typically do a lot of direct calf work. Yes, calves are definitely something that we find comes with genetics. You either have them or you don't, but that doesn't mean they can't grow. They are definitely stubborn muscles, so they do take a lot of um, battering to get them to respond to stimulus, but it's not overly essential to have huge, strong calves to compete in the sport of powerlifting in terms of the squat, bench, and deadlift. And the reason we know this is because even in our own gym and clients that we work with, some of them have got tiny calves, but they've got massive lifts, right? So it's not essential. Is it nice to have? Sure, of course it's nice to have. So a bit of anatomy, I guess, on the calves, for those of you who are unaware, made up of two muscle groups. One is the gastrocnemius, so the back of the top of the... Um, of the leg there when you've got the two the lateral and medial heads and they come down together and they join um, the Achilles tendon and the Achilles tendon then attaches to the calcaneus or your heel. The other muscle as part of that calf is the soleus and soleus is deep to the gastrocnemius um, and also attaches to the Achilles tendon and to the calcaneus. Now the function of both those muscles um, vary slightly but just to keep it very simple Soleus is a plantar flexor, so it points the toe. Um, and gastrocnemius is a plantar flexor as well, but also is responsible for some knee flexion because it does cross the knee. Okay, so obviously there are, it gets a little bit more hairy than that, a bit more complicated, but essentially that's the role of the two muscles play. So yes, I guess to answer the experience, it's not essential to um, have massive strong calves in order to squat bench and deadlift heavy um in our experience we do find that genetics plays a big role although you can grow your calves but it does take a little bit of high frequency and high load um, and i guess the reason we don't do that in, in powerlifting is because when you do that you end up having your calves destroyed which makes it difficult to actually perform your squat and deadlift particularly in training so if we are doing some direct calf work it would definitely be off-season work or in general prep work um, obviously, as we approach competition in our specific prep blocks and pre-competitive blocks, we wouldn't have any direct calf work at all. All right, so hope that answers that question. Next one. And now we get a bit more bit more questions relating to powerlifting um, and also a few questions relating to us here um, in terms of uh, in terms of Ruchi's gym. How does powerlifting grow? Great question. So look, and whoever you ask, you might get a different response but from our perspective and with what we have experienced over the years powerlifting is a very very niche sport um you know we don't get airtime on tv we don't have big celebrities endorsing us there's you know there's no athletes really making a living from competing in the sport of powerlifting which is really unfortunate but that's just the way it is for the time being anyway there are some people in the world that are trying to grow i guess the elite that top end part of the sport which is fantastic and the reason that's really important is because it means that people coming into the sport have something that they can aim for there's progression one of the biggest problems that 
I guess we find in the sport of powerlifting at the moment is there's really grey, undetermined paths of progression. So, and, and the problem with that is when people can't set goals, it becomes boring and stale because you're kind of just in the in the motions of doing the same thing over and over again. What makes a sport really grow is having obviously a fantastic base of new people coming through in terms of grassroots sport and new development, nurturing new lifters, and then seeing those lifters through the you know the steps of the sport from you know novice competition to a local competition to a state championships to a national championships to a world championships and then obviously branching out into um, invitational and pro meets where there is prize money. Okay, so unfortunately in powerlifting the lines of progression are very blurred and it does make a and it obviously depends on which federation you lift in but in general it's it just and i've heard this directly from lifters mouth so this isn't something that i'm just making up it's a little bit boring and that's a problem for growth because what you find is once lifters hit a sort of level where they think that there's nowhere really to go um or it's not worth going there for all the effort they have to put in they they start to taper off and so you start to lose that top end of the sport right there's plenty of us who do lots of grassroots work with powerlifting rc arusha's gym we're firm believers in building a base um which means trying to get as many people into the sport as possible and nurturing their development okay and that's a really big part of what we do here at Ruchi's gym and it's something that i feel that we're really good at all right, so we do run sort of four novice comps a year to help nurture those lifters and give them a fantastic experience on the platform, and that helps them then hopefully opt into the sport long term, and then we help them make a decision in terms of what federation or what progression pathways might be the most suitable for them. That's something we do as part of our coaching service. So if you are interested in coaching, reach out, because coaching for us is more than just programming. It's about nurturing a lifter and helping them develop through um, I guess through the path, through the right pathways in the sport, because it's using those pathways that helps keep people keep uh, keep lifters motivated and achieving. All right, how does powerlifting grow? That was the question. I hope that kind of answers it. Um, you know, I, I, I think in short, there's a lot of there's got to be a lot of work done at the bottom end, and I think a lot of people are really good at that. And there's got to be a lot of work done at the top end as well to continue pushing the boundaries of you know, what powerlifters can achieve and if they and even if they can make any money from the sport. But I think there's kind of a big hole in the middle, you know, that middle spot where someone's in the sport for a couple of years, things get really hard. It's difficult to see where you go from there. I think a lot of work needs to be done in the middle. And that's, to be honest, I'm really passionate about that as well because I find that lifters after two or three years, maybe even five years, they start to drop off simply because the progression pathways aren't really defined. Um, and it's just a little bit boring, right? So unfortunately, that's just the way it is. And there are people in the, in the country and in the world that are trying to help, um, I guess, fix some of those issues. I'm one of them. So if you've got any ideas, let me know. Next question. <laughs> now, okay, this next question is from someone that um, knows Paul and I very well. Um, and they thought it would be a great question to ask. So it would help people understand why we do what we do. So the question is this. What's your why behind the sport that makes the sport that doesn't make dollars over engineering? Okay, so the question really is, why did we leave high-paying engineering jobs to come into a sport um, or, or I guess a profession or a business that perhaps doesn't pay you the same, right? 
It's a good question because I think sometimes, and it will help maybe get people to understand why we do what we do. The truth is Paul and I did leave very high paying jobs, okay? Um, you know, we both have degrees outside of this field. I've got a computer science degree with a major in software engineering, so I spend a lot of my time in that space and also in the dot-com space uh, with my own businesses and with some other stuff as well. Paul has spent, has an engineering degree in control systems. He's spent a very long time in the in the, I guess, the stream of controls, working on mine sites and doing all sorts of stuff overseas. Um, and Paul was very well paid. I was as well, but Paul was better paid than me. But essentially, we both had quite high-paying engineering jobs. And the question is why, basically, why would we leave high-paying engineering jobs to come and do what we do? Look, it's very simple. And I guess for me personally, I can't really speak for Paul, but for me personally, I've always been the type of person that believes and always wants to do the things that I've enjoyed and that I've loved doing regardless of money because at the end of the day if I'm working somewhere and I'm only there because it makes me a good living I don't consider that living okay I consider that a waste of time and I'll say that to anyone if you're doing something that you hate just because it's good money I would say you're wasting your life find a talent that you're amazing at that you love doing and try and work out a way that you can make that your life and that you can actually make a living off. Now that living might not be as much as what you were paid previously, but there's way more satisfaction in doing something you love. All right. So, and that's coming from firsthand experience. I'll tell you right now, Paul and I don't make nowhere near as much money as what we used to, but we love what we do. All right. Now, when we were introduced to the sport back in sort of the late, no, sort of 20, 2008, 2009, 2010, you know, we just loved the way the sport brought people together um, and the way and the camaraderie and just the whole support system. The sport itself, we love. We all love the idea of training to be strong and we love the fact that powerlifting helped express the strength that you've accumulated in your training. And we just love the sport in general, you know. So, and I guess Paul and I, being the type of people we are, we've always loved having communities of people and building communities of people that I guess have a common goal and the sport and our gym now allows us to do that. So the Roaches Gym, I guess one of our big things is community and culture. And, you know, we've always been about building a really awesome team that works together, that supports each other. Um, and that helps, I guess, help propel the sport forward. So I guess going back to the previous question of how does powerlifting grow, I think if there's more people doing the types of things that we're trying to do, build great communities of lifters um, and propel them through the sport, I think um, the sport will grow. I was watching a really cool video today actually, which kind of relates to this. It was about, it was kind of like a leadership video. Um, it wasn't on a leadership channel or anything. It was just something that a guy brought up and it was, it was about the theory of momentum, right? And so what powerlifting need, needs is a massive momentum. So it showed a video of this guy. I couldn't tell where, but they were on this grass field and there was all these people around and he was dancing. I think it might've been a dance. It might've been a concert or a, I don't know, something like that. Anyway, um, there was this guy dancing and he honestly, he looked like a complete retard. And I say that with utmost respect. He just looked idiotic right um doing this crazy ass dance right which was cool see but he was doing it by himself right so in essence he was a leader now he didn't care what he looked like you know people were going to talk about him point fingers at him talk shit about him he didn't care after a couple of minutes 
someone comes up and starts dancing with him doing the same crazy shit. So you have this one a follower, right? Um, and in essence, that second person becomes a leader in their own right because they help encourage other people to get up there, right? And then what happened is a third person came up, right? Another person dancing like an idiot. So you got now you got three idiots dancing there. Then what happened was amazing. About 20 people came up all at once and started dancing. And you had this big group of people dancing like complete morons. They didn't give a fuck. They were having a great time. But what it represented was a group of people that just didn't care. And because there were so many people starting to get involved, it was risk-free, right? You didn't have to worry about looking like an idiot. You didn't have to worry about what other people were saying because you're all there, you're doing it together, right? It kind of applies to, I guess, the growth of powerlifting, right? The more momentum you can have, the more it'll grow. And that's what the sport needs right now is lots of momentum. We definitely have lost momentum over the COVID um, situation. I can 100% attest to that. I've experienced it myself with my own team, the comps I run, um, etc., and even speaking to other meet directors and gym owners around the country. There's definitely been a loss of momentum. Like for example, I think Fuzzy's GPC Nationals in 2019 was a fantastic event. It actually started to feel like GPC gained some momentum through that event. And then what happened in 2020 is boom, COVID hit and all that momentum was um, was lost. And I think we lost a really good opportunity to, to build the, the Federation GPC. And this is basically for all federations. I think a lot of federations lost momentum. Um, but I think now with restrictions easing and things coming back to normal slowly over a period of time, I think next year is going to be a great year for powerlifting as things return to normal and we can try and start getting momentum back. I guess the goal for me this year um, in terms of how do I help grow the sport, we have GPC Nationals in September, as you guys know, and I think it's a great opportunity for GPC as a unit, as a as a um, as an entity, to get behind GPC Nationals and start to build that momentum that we can carry forward into 2023, because it's that momentum that's going to grow the sport. Okay. Um, now, look, yeah, the question was really why did you why um, did we leave high paying jobs? It's because we loved it, guys. All right. Um, I didn't start a gym to make money, to get rich and famous. We started it because we just loved helping people, helping people achieve their goals, changing people's lives, getting a great community of people together to help support and propel the sport that we love forward. And I think we've done a great job of that over the last 10 years. Next question, kind of a little bit related. What has been Ruchi's role in development of the sport in WA? I kind of maybe have touched on that a little bit. I, I guess... In terms of our role in development of the sport, it's something that we kind of just fell into. Obviously, there was other people working to develop the sport, but essentially the sport of powerlifting was in a complete disarray, um, you know, 10, 12, 13 years ago. It wasn't really until the RPF introduced Classic Raw in 2010 that it really opened up the door um, and brought down the barrier to entry for people to compete in the sport of powerlifting because no longer did you have to have, you know, Squash, um, squat uh, suits, bench shirts, deadlift suits. You could come in and do bare knees on a squat. You didn't need a bench shirt and you could just deadlift raw, you know. So bringing down that barrier to entry was a fantastic way to grow this, uh, to, to really bring down the barrier to entry and grow the sport. And I guess when we got involved in powerlifting in 2010, um, we ran novice comps. I became the GPC state delegate in 2013. And ever since then, I guess, by taking on that delegacy role and also Paul taking on the delegacy role in, in, um, as well in other federations, which is now, he's now involved um, with the APL, is by taking on board those roles, we are therefore responsible for helping nurture and grow the sport and develop the sport in our particular areas. Obviously for us, it's WA, so I work tirelessly um, and I do a lot of work and so does Paul trying to promote our particular federations 
um, to get them to grow um, and to help grow the sport in general. And there's a few people around in in WA and also across the country that are doing that. Well, lots of people really, you know. Um, and I think all the work we do collectively um, helps serve the powerlifting community and helps propel the sport forward. All right, so I guess that's kind of been our role. Um, and I think we've done a great job in helping uh, develop the sport of WA um, over the last 10 years and it's something that we want to continue doing um, but for us to in order for us to continue doing that you know um, this there are certain things that have to happen um, right now I don't know what they are but you know we're at a point now with the sport where things I feel things do need to change for the better um, and I guess there's a question coming up very shortly about um, what I dislike and like about powerlifting. So we'll get to that in a minute. Um, I don't want to offend anyone. So if I offend you with what I say, I do apologize. But I'm just going to, I guess, speak from the heart um, and tell you what I think. So hope that answers that question about how we've helped develop the sport. We've also, obviously, in terms of uh, developing the sport, we've also helped develop a lot of lifters as well. So Paul and I have coached hundreds and hundreds of lifters, and now we have a whole coaching team responsible for new development. We have our new development squad, which helps grow and nurture new lifters coming into the sport. So there's things that we're doing to continue to grow at a grassroots level, but also um, make sure that we're looking after our elite lifters as well. Okay, here's the big question, I guess. Powerlifting has grown so much. What do you love and hate about the growth? Wow. Look, you know, I mean, there's many ways to look at this. I think, you know, initially we had this huge growth in powerlifting, 2017, 2018. We saw massive numbers at competitions, particularly here locally. Um, and then sort of once COVID hit, a lot of that has definitely died down. But there are, I guess, a few factors, you know. There's more, a few more federations have popped up as well. So that is probably one of my pet hates about the sport of powerlifting is that it seems to me that every second day there's a new federation um, that's coming to the country helping, I guess, detract the effort of what some of the other federations are trying to accomplish. Um, I, I guess as a unit we have to think of powerlifting growth as a whole and not at a particular fed level. As long as the sport is growing at a whole, that's great. I guess the problem I have, um, I guess one of the hates for me is personally that I just feel there's way too many federations I think the sport is watered down. There's too many chiefs trying to run the show, um, you know, and I'm one of them. You know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I'm the good guy here. We're all responsible for how the sport um, has, I guess, panned out, and we're all going to be responsible for how it pans out in the future. So we all have to do our best to try and work on some of the things that, one, we hate, and two, we don't think are correct and that we can improve, right? So there's definitely too many federations. Um, you know, it's a tricky one because... I guess if you look at the reasons why federations splinter off, it's because what happens is someone has an argument or they don't like the way something's run. They think they can do it better. Boom. They copy someone's rule book. They start an association um, or a company. Boom. They've got a federation, right? So obviously it's not quite as simple as that, but it really is. I mean, Paul, I literally, Paul and I could probably start our own association in a week. It's not that difficult. Um, and in fact, we've had many people ask Paul and I, um, well, tell us that we should start our own federation. It's not something that we want to do. We're not going to contribute to the watering down of the sport. We're happy to run and be involved in other federations that we feel have the best um, initiatives. Um, we definitely like to be involved with federations we feel are the most modern. Um, 
and are forward thinking. The problem with some of the federations that we have in the country and in the world is they're very, very backwards thinking. And they're run by old school people with old school mentality, which is totally cool um, because, you know, they've done some great things for the sport. But I think in order for the sport to grow and succeed, we need modern initiatives. We need clear pathways. We need grassroots powerlifting. We need, and I'm talking about gyms here as well. We need powerlifting gyms to be able to grow. Money needs to be injected into these gyms through things like entry fees, um, because that's definitely one thing that's allowed us to grow our gym is to collect entry fees. Uh, there are still federations that are taking all the money and only giving, you know, the gyms a very very small portion of that entry fee, which we don't agree with. Um, money needs to be fed down to the grassroots, right? And, and I guess you know these are some of the things that I don't like about the sport. Um, I do think that there are some federations that are on the right track. But I do think there's a long way to go in terms of improving the sport in the country um, and really propping up and improving the quality of the federations and the, especially from the initiative side, right? Um, there is some stuff happening in the country at the moment. I don't want to talk too much about it, um, but there might be some stuff coming out soon, which is very exciting. Um, I'll leave it at that. But yeah, I guess in terms of um, what I hate about the growth, it's more the fact that it's just very, very watered down and there's just a lot of... I don't know, there just seems to be a lot of tension between certain people. Um, you know, so it's just one of those things. That I think you're going to get that with anything that undergoes growth um, at that kind of rate. You know, I guess it's a symptom, you know. So it's just something that we all have to work through, right? What do I love about the sport? Well, I love powerlifting. You know, I love lifting heavy weight. I love the clients that we work with and the, I love helping them get the results on the platform. I love building and running our gym I love the fact that we have a fantastic powerlifting club and events venue where people can come and feel like they're part of something, something that's bigger than themselves, where they can contribute and give back to the sport um, and help us grow the sport um, from our neck of the woods. Actually, I guess one of the things I don't like about the sport in general um, is sometimes, and this is cool, I get it, there are lots of people in the sport that really just only care about themselves. They're happy to like sit at home in their garage and train. Um, and not give back, not volunteer at a comp. Um, but when it comes to comp day, you know they want to, they want everyone there to make sure they're on the platform doing their thing. So if you're a lifter listening to this, I beg you to put your hand up and help volunteer at a comp because when you give back to the sport, the sport you're helping the sport grow, and that's exactly what you want, right? There's no point you being in the sport if it doesn't grow. If you really love the sport, try and give back as much as you can because at the end of the day, this is definitely a um, a volunteer sport. It's run by volunteers. You know, it is what it is. You know, the more you give back, the more the sport's going to grow. All right. So the other thing is, if you do live within a driving distance from a powerlifting gym, train there. Support the gym that runs your sport. Don't sit at home in your garage. You're going to grow much, much more if you're training around people, like-minded people that you could support you and you can support them. All right. When you're training around people that are like-minded, you know, it rubs off on you. We often tell a joke to people that, as soon as you come into our gym and breathe the air, you get stronger. Obviously, that's not the case. It's the point that when you're training around people that are a lot stronger than you, more knowledgeable, it rubs off on you over time and you become better as a result, all right? So if you're a lifter, really think about supporting the powerlifting gyms that help run the sport that you love and also think about contributing to the sport by volunteering your time. Trust me, from a meet director's perspective, a gym owner's perspective, it means a hell of a lot. And I know I'm always saying thank you and sometimes I sound like a broken record. Honestly, 
you have no idea how much of a help it is and how much we appreciate the help on the platform and help running comps. Um, you have no idea. And there's only so many words that can articulate the gratitude that we have for people that help us. Um, they're helping us achieve um, the, uh, the things that we want, which is growing the sport and obviously growing our gym because we want to help more people, right? It's all about helping more people. So that's all I can say if you're a lifter in the sport. Um, and I think there's a lot of people out there that will agree with me as well, all right? So I hope that answered the question in terms of what, um, with the growth of power, what I love and hate. Obviously, you know, it's a big one. Um, there are a few things. Uh, next question is, what makes Ruchi's comps different to other gyms? Look, I guess if you go back and we consider, I guess, our ethos um, and our sort of underlying goal with our gym, it was really we wanted to create a gym that wasn't just a gym. And I know a lot of play, a lot of gyms say that, oh, we're not just a gym. We actually meant it. And what I mean by that is we do run the sport of powerlifting. So we wanted our gym to be a venue, an events venue that was well known, that was world-class that was you know set the standard that people loved competing it and chose to compete there because the standard was so high right and also a powerlifting club wrapped around that where we had a fantastic group of people that supported the sport um supported us in our mission to try and help as many people as we can and grow the sport right so and i think we've done that quite well Obviously, there's ups and downs in anything. All right? There's undulation even in that type of thing in culture and community. Um, but I think we've done a pretty great job and we have a fantastic group of people. And I think the events venue that we have now, um, look, obviously, I'm going to be very biased and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I can't think of another venue in the world um, that's permanent, that's set up, that's literally a turnkey solution for running an event. Paul and I can have an event literally running in one hour. And that would be with all the bells and whistles, okay? I don't think there's anyone else in the world that can say that. And that's basically what makes us different to every other gym. We have a world-class events venue. We're very efficient at running comps. We attract the biggest um, number of lifters and the best lifters. We have a massive warm-up area. Our warm-up area is bigger than most powerlifting gyms. We've got the most warm-up equipment, the most specialty gear, do I need to continue? Those are some of the things that set us apart, right? So, and again, it's, it's something that, you know, Paul and I tell people all the time, in, you know, the question, what federation do I lift in? Choose a federation that you feel suits your lifting style and the type of competition do you want to compete at. If you want to compete in, 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 uh, in driveways, there's competitions out there where you can do that. If you want to compete in world-class facilities with the best equipment and, the you know, some of the... <laughs> I guess the best competition experience uh, competition experience you'll have, that's also available, right? So lift where you feel is going to suit the type of lifting that you want to do, all right? Um, you know, we've done it one way and there are other ways, you know? It's about choosing what works for you, all right? At the end of the day, we're all in this together. It doesn't matter what gym you're from, um, what federation you lift in. Collectively, as a unit, we're all in this together and we all need to work together to make sure that our sport continues to thrive and to and nourish um, the lift is coming through so that it does continue to grow, right? Whew, what makes Ruchi's comps different to other gyms? I hope that helps. Um, that's pretty much all I, the questions I wanted to go through. Um, now, like I said, we're going to continue doing these Q&As maybe once every 8 to 12 weeks. So if you do have any questions that you feel you'd love us to talk about, hopefully next time Paul will be on here with me, then um, feel free to reach out and we can make a note of them. I did get some other questions, but I just didn't feel I needed to talk about those. 
Um, and some of them were probably, I could probably do a whole podcast on them. So it wasn't really a question of that I could answer in a couple of minutes. All right, guys, I've been going for 35 minutes or so now. I did want to try and keep these podcasts short, uh, under an hour, 40 minutes, 30 to 40 minutes is perfect, which is about where we are now. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Again, if you do have any questions, we can add to the next Q&A or the listener Q&A. Let me know. Apart from that, again, enjoy the sport of powerlifting. If you do want help, reach out. We've got fantastic coaches available and a fantastic coaching service as well as the gym. If you live close, we'd love to have you training at the gym and part of the team. All right, guys, take it easy. Until the next time. Thanks for listening to the Richie Strengthcast. Be sure to subscribe to join us on the journey and for more information, visit richiesgym.com.